Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, a thought-provoking exploration of racial dynamics authored by the award-winning British journalist Rennie Edo-Lodge. Published in 2017, Edo Lodge's powerful narrative confronts the subtleties of racism in Britain and initiates a dialogue on how society can collectively move towards racial equality. Although the title suggests a retreat from conversation, the book instead invites a deeper understanding and provides a platform for meaningful discourse concerning the nuances of race, privilege, and intersectionality. With incisive commentary and in depth analysis, The author traces the hidden threads of black history in Britain, elucidates the concept of white privilege, and emphasizes the intricate ties between social class and racial identity. Edo Lodge's work, which resonates globally despite its focus on Britain, challenges readers to acknowledge and dismantle systemic discrimination. This episode is particularly well-suited for individuals keen on understanding black British history those who yearn for a fairer economic and social landscape, and members of any community aspiring to foster better race relations. Rennie Edo-Lodge's eloquent articulation and journalistic prowess, having been showcased in esteemed publications like the New York Times and The Guardian, provide credence to her enlightening perspectives on one of the most pressing social issues of our time. Join us as we explore the critical themes and transformative potential of why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Why I'm no longer talking to white people about race, understand racism and white privilege. Introduction, navigating the complexities of racism with a crucial change of heart. Imagine reaching a point of such overwhelming frustration that silence seems like the only option. This is where Reniedo Lodge found herself in 2014. In the wake of countless fruitless conversations with white individuals about racial discrimination, Edo Lodge penned a blog post entitled Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, sparking a firestorm of attention. However, the reaction prompted a profound shift. Edo Lodge realized the power of dialogue and set out to expand on her thoughts. She embraced the difficult conversation she once shunned, culminating in the influential pages of her book. The United Kingdom carries the heavy shadow of its racist past, a shadow that lingers in contemporary society. While some may choose to turn a blind eye, claiming ignorance or insignificance, such a luxury often belongs to those draped in the unseen mantle of white privilege. For ethnic minorities, ignoring societal racism isn't an option. It's a daily reality. Acknowledging the tendrils of racism that reached deep into Britain's history is the starting point for genuine change. The abolition of slavery and the dissolution of the British Empire didn't eradicate the ideologies and structures that supported them. Instead, they morphed into less overt, yet equally insidious forms of institutional and societal discrimination. Within the heart of this book lies the conviction that a collective effort can dismantle the barriers of racism, paving the way to a future where equality isn't just an ideal, but an actuality. 
you'll unravel stories of Indian soldiers facing discrimination in the midst of the First World War, dissect the manipulative language used by British political elites to fuel racial divides, and surprisingly, you'll explore what the magical world of Harry Potter reveals about race relations. Through these insights, Edo Lodge offers us a lens to see our society anew and challenges us to strive for a world where everyone has the chance to thrive, unchecked by racial prejudice. Part 1. Breaking the Silence, Bridging the Communication Chasm in Britain's Race Relations Imagine the frustration when the phrase, I don't see colour, echoes through a conversation on race. Uttered by well-intentioned white progressives, it's a statement that aims to champion a society based on merit alone. Yet, instead of promoting inclusivity, it becomes an inadvertent act of patronization, overlooking the systemic realities faced by people of color every day. This all-too-common mantra hinders the very progress it claims to support and stifles the conversations necessary for societal growth. Let's be unequivocal. Racism for individuals of color permeates their existence on multiple levels, affecting everything from social standing to personal well-being. This entrenched bias isn't just a point of contention. It's a lived experience that cuts across all class lines. To address Britain's deep-rooted issues with race, the crucial task at hand is to mend the communication rift between white individuals and people of color. Cue to 2014, when Rennie Edo Lodge, a black British journalist, found herself exasperated by the reactions of white people to discussions about structural racism. Reactions that ranged from indifference to outright hostility. Her frustration unleashed itself into the blogosphere with a post titled, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Despite bracing for a backlash, she was met with an outpouring of viral acclaim that came as a startling surprise. The responses revealed a dichotomy. People of color felt Edo Lodge articulated experiences they struggled to express, while many white readers confronted an uncomfortable truth, awakening a desire to be part of the change. The consensus was undeniable. Open dialogue is the key. Edo Lodge, with her resonant voice on racial matters, recognized that she must continue these pivotal discussions. Since this turning point, Edo Lodge has dedicated herself to unpacking racism in Britain, engaging in meaningful interactions with white audiences. No longer suffocated by the initial frustration, she emphasizes the necessity of inclusive discussions to address racial inequalities. However, to truly understand the issues plaguing society today, one must delve into the historical depths that shaped them. Only then can we begin peeling back the layers of a past still haunting the present, enlightening our path to a more equitable future. Part 2. Unveiling Britain's Past, The Roots of Racism in Colonialism and the Slave Trade Go back to where you came from is a phrase that carries the harsh, unyielding echoes of far-right extremism. Yet, as articulated by Ambalavanair Sivanandan, of the Institute of Race Relations in 2008. We are here because you were there. The current landscape of racism in Britain is intrinsically linked to its colonial, imperialistic past and its role in the transatlantic slave trade. The misconception persists among many in Britain 
that their country's involvement in the slave trade is but a footnote, mistakenly attributing the brunt of this grievous history to the United States. However, Britain's engagement with slavery started in 1562 and concluded only with the Abolition of Slavery Act in 1833. It's stark to realize that the span of time from abolition to the present day scarcely exceeds the lengthy, dark era of British slave trading itself. Despite the geographical distance, the repercussions of Britain's slave trade were palpable. With human lives reduced to cargo, African individuals were torn from their familial embrace and transported across perilous seas to foreign plantations. They endured voyages riddled with disease and untold suffering, leading to lives of grueling labor and generational torment under the whip of oppression. But the roots of racism in Britain extend beyond the slave trade, permeating the very fabric of its global empire. This became glaringly evident during wartime, where the sacrifices of black and Asian soldiers were called upon, only to be repaid with oppression and scorn. For example, over one million Indian soldiers fought for Britain in the First World War, many with the hope of securing India's freedom post-conflict. Instead, they weathered segregation and disregard, their sacrifice betrayed by the unfulfilled promise of liberation from colonialism. Tragically, the injustice continued even after the war, as black soldiers from the West Indies who sought to settle in Britain were met with brutality and racial animosity. In one harrowing incident, a young black seaman fell victim to a public lynching in Liverpool, a stark reminder of the racial tensions that simmered beneath the surface. To truly grasp the complexities of racism in Britain today, one must confront the shadow of this nation's historical action, a legacy marred by exploitation and inhumanity. It is only by acknowledging and understanding this past that we can start to address the systemic discrimination that remains entrenched within our society. Part 3. Exploring the Forgotten Chapters of Black Britain's Civil Rights Story When the topic of civil rights surfaces, many British citizens instinctively direct their thoughts across the Atlantic to the well-documented struggles and victories of the movement in America. Yet, the history books of Britain themselves harbour stories of resistance and pursuit of equality that often remain overlooked, stories of black civil rights movements within its own shores. Rewinding history, we find that post-war Britain constructed significant barriers against the assimilation of people of colour, even against the backdrop of legislation that invited them to its lands. The 1948 British Nationality Act extended an open invitation to Commonwealth citizens, effectively beckoning those from former realms of the British Empire to claim a home within its borders. Motivated by the promise of shared rights and recovery efforts following the devastation of war, the black population in Britain began to climb. Despite the supposed welcome, a harsh reality quickly became apparent. Discrimination and prejudice tainted the everyday lives of these new residents. In the sprawling city of London, the black community often encountered outright denial of housing their skin colour serving as an unjust barrier. Notting Hill, a neighbourhood with its own scars of inequality, epitomised this struggle, as landlords exploited desperate families, charging exorbitant rents for subpar accommodations. This brewing tension exploded into violence one summer night in 1958, 
near Latimer Road Station, where an argument between a white woman and her black husband ignited racial fury. Within 24 hours, crowds swelled, shouting slurs as they roamed the streets of London, their racist fervour unabated. Parliament, facing a nation marred by racism, chose to tighten its borders with the 1962 Commonwealth Immigrants Act, demanding work permits from those it once invited. This reactive legislation laid down the foundations for an immigration system that persists to this day. However, racist attitudes weren't confined to immigration policy. They permeated the very institutions meant to uphold justice. The London riots of 1985 offer a stark example. Police officers, in search of Cherry Gross's son for a suspected theft, entered her home and shot her, rendering her paralyzed from the waist down. The incident set Brixton ablaze with riots, a violent outcry against police brutality, and a symptom of the racial tensions that suffocated 1980s Britain. Despite such uproars, the responses from those in power often skirted around the core issue. A convenient scapegoat, racial disadvantage, was blamed over confronting the insidious truth of institutional racism. To forge ahead in understanding race issues in Britain today, acknowledging and learning from the history of Black Britain is not just important, it's indispensable. Part 4. Acknowledging and Addressing Structural Racism the path to equal opportunities for all. Imagine walking through life where every step you take is silently weighed down by unseen forces. This is the day-to-day reality for people of color living under the shadow of structural racism. It's a concept that stretches beyond the concrete walls of institutions, seeping into the subtlest interactions and biases that shape society. Structural racism is the silent architect of inequality, molding a world where people of color encounter obstacles invisible to others. These barriers manifest across the board in education, employment, social life, and health. The playing field isn't level, it slopes against them, diminishing their chances for success and well being. Consider the education system in Britain, a realm where black students find their efforts graded with a harsher eye evidenced by consistently lower marks compared to their white peers, despite delivering work of equal caliber. It's only when anonymity enters the grading process that this bias dissipates, revealing the systemic prejudices that taint the academic journey. The adversity doesn't end at graduation. Job seekers with non-white or non-British sounding names are met with a chilly reception in the job market, facing reduced chances of securing interviews as uncovered by research from the Department for Work and Pensions. Yet still, some argue against this reality, insisting that a smaller population percentage should equate to fewer opportunities, a stark misinterpretation that overlooks the core issue of fair access to chances and career advancement. There is, however, a ray of hope to remedy these entrenched disparities, positive discrimination. This approach isn't about tokenism. It's a strategic move proven to work. Consider the Rooney Rule of the National Football League in America, a policy implemented in 2003 to open doors for non-white football coaches and senior operations staff by simply requiring teams to interview at least one qualified candidate of color for vacant positions. The NFL saw significant hires over the subsequent decade. 
a victory for opportunity wrought by minimal adjustments in the recruitment process. Such measures do not dictate outcomes nor enforce quotas. They simply ensure that the pool of potential is wider, richer, and inclusive. It's about granting an interview, a chance to be seen and heard. The Rooney Rule teaches us a valuable lesson. Sometimes, all it takes is giving someone the fair chance they deserve to level the playing field and allow hidden talents to come forth. Part 5. Confronting the Unseen Benefits of White Privilege in the Tapestry of Racism Imagine living in a world where your skin colour provides silent, systemic advantages that you've never had to question. Welcome to the everyday reality of white privilege. While systemic racism casts a long, pervasive shadow over the lives of people of colour, white individuals often unknowingly bask in the light of unearned benefits, simply due to their race. This privilege is an intrinsic part of the racism equation, affecting life chances in ways white people may never actively notice. And yet, despite not considering themselves racist, Many white individuals remain unaware of their inadvertent role in upholding systemic racism. Drawing from personal experience, the author recounts a conversation with her friend's white French girlfriend, who lamented the extra effort she had to put in at work to compete with male colleagues simply because she was a young woman. Sympathetic, the author ventured further, sharing her own encounters with structural racism such as losing a job opportunity to a similarly qualified white woman. But instead of empathy, the conversation was met with defensiveness and denial, underlining the blind spot that white privilege often is for those who benefit from it. This reaction is not unique to one individual, it reflects a broader pattern. White privilege frequently surfaces in interpersonal dynamics, escaping notice until someone dares to highlight it. Those who do are routinely branded as troublesome or accused of reverse racism, a misconception that derails the conversation and compounds the issue. Had the author pressed on about white privilege, she might have faced social ostracization, tagged as disagreeable or an angry black woman, a stigmatizing label that would sideline her concerns. This underlines a painful truth. Discussions about race with well-meaning white individuals who fail to recognize their privilege can be more vexing than engaging with overt racists. The delineation is clearer with an avowed racist. You know where you stand. But with those blind to their privilege, the boundaries are muddied, epitomizing a challenging aspect of race relations where acknowledgement is the first step on the long road to equality. Part 6. Challenging the Default Narrative the significance of black representation in media and society. Take a moment to reminisce about the heroes you idolized as a child. Chances are, if you grew up in a Western society, an overwhelmingly white cohort comes to mind. Rennie Edo Lodge's youthful curiosity about when she would turn white speaks volumes about the media's portrayal of race, where virtuous characters are predominantly white, leaving little room for positive black role models. This scarcity of black representation isn't just an oversight. It's deeply entrenched in what might be termed the fear of a black planet. This fear isn't about demographic shifts or resource distribution, but rather the unsettling prospect for some white individuals of losing societal dominance and privilege. Consider the UK's pivotal 2016 decision to leave the European Union, 
encapsulated by the vote, Leave campaign's slogan, We want our country back. Ringing with echoes of the far-right rhetoric, it resonated with a segment of white Britain, fostering trepidation around the highly improbable scenario of becoming a minority within their own country, a country where, as of 2017, white individuals constituted 81.9% of the population. Still, immigration sat at the heart of the Brexit vote, stirring a disproportionate fear of the other that seems illogical considering the real seats of power remained firmly with a privileged few. The undercurrent of this fear is a discomfort with losing unearned advantages and a lack of positive associations with black people. One avenue to counteract this fear is by elevating black characters to leading roles in popular culture. This kind of visibility can shape perceptions, fostering empathy and understanding where ignorance and fear once reigned. The casting of black actress Noma Dumesweni as Hermione Granger in the play Harry Potter and the Cursed Child sparked a mix of acclaim and controversy. J.K. Rowling hadn't specified Hermione's race, illustrating that the association of whiteness with normalcy is a constructed default rather than an inherent truth. The backlash against Dumezweni's casting revealed a deep-seated resistance to reimagining these defaults, a clear sign that much work remains to be done. By rewriting these narratives and challenging the traditional depictions of heroism and virtue, society can broaden its understanding and acceptance, moving toward a world where black heroes are not an exception, but a celebrated and integral part of our cultural landscape. Part 7. Building an Inclusive Feminism a call for intersectional advocacy. Picture a show that captures the zeitgeist of contemporary young womanhood, instantly praised for its feminist credentials, only to reveal an exclusive, monochromatic view of society. This was the reality of Lena Dunham's Girls, which took the stage in 2012. Though it was celebrated for its progressive take on the lives of young women, the glaring lack of diversity in its cast especially in cosmopolitan New York, laid bare the shows and, by extension, society's blind spots. This lack of inclusivity in girls is symptomatic of a broader issue within the feminist movement, the dominance of white feminism. This form of feminism steered by white women often neglects to confront its role in sustaining existing power structures. Anchored in white privilege, it tends to fight for reforms that primarily benefit women from similar backgrounds, sidelining the struggles of women of color. The resistance to embracing a more comprehensive feminist vision is a direct negation of intersectionality, a concept crucial to understanding the multifaceted nature of discrimination. Coined by Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989, intersectionality recognizes that individuals can face multiple forms of oppression simultaneously such as the combined impact of racism and sexism experienced by black women. This realization is pivotal as it underlines the unique intersections where women of color live and battle. Despite its clarity and resonance, intersectionality has faced opposition from some leaders of mainstream feminism. Critics argue that the term is too academic, too distant from the everyday experience to offer practical solutions but the author stands firm in her disagreement. She emphasizes that a feminism devoid of race analysis 
does not fully grapple with the injustices it seeks to dismantle. For feminism to truly champion for all, paving the way toward equal opportunities and fair compensation, it must widen its scope and acknowledge the compounding effects of different forms of discrimination. The task at hand is not small, to redirect the feminist compass towards universal equity, away from self-interested advocacy. Only then can the feminist movement truly lay claim to a struggle that uplifts every marginalized voice, challenging the systemic barriers that it aims to overcome. Part 8. Dissecting the Intertwined Threads of Race and Class in British Society The term white working class is common in British public discourse, a label suggesting that the disadvantages facing this group stem purely from economic disparity. Politicians wield this term strategically, perhaps implying that class alone dictates one's place on the social ladder, but this narrative obscures a far more nuanced picture. Class structure in Britain defies the simplicity of the conventional three-tier system, with race complicating the equation significantly. To be born non-white in Britain often means to face an uphill battle, not just against class barriers but against racial ones as well. Research from the Joseph Rowntree Foundation sheds light on a stark reality. Black and minority ethnic individuals are more likely to live in income poverty than their white counterparts. Consequently, when government austerity cuts are implemented, these communities are hit disproportionately hard. The Runnymede Trust quantifies the impact, pointing out that four million people of colour could suffer the adverse effects of budget decisions like those seen in the 2015 summer budget. It becomes clear that race magnifies the challenges of class, tightening the grip of inequality. Still, Politicians cling to the rhetoric of the white working class for its political utility. It's a move that distracts from shared struggles across racial lines, pitting workers against one another and upholding the status quo. Power remains in the hands of an elite few. This separation tactic bears tangible results. A 2014 survey revealed a significant overestimation of the immigrant population, with wealthier respondents likelier to perceive immigrants as a drain on resources. Yet the irony lies in reports, such as one from The Economist, which suggests that the UK's wealthiest individuals benefit more from public services like transportation and healthcare. In acknowledging these truths, we see that while the white working class undoubtedly faces the biases of class, there is also a daunting reality of racialized class prejudice at play. True understanding and progress hinge on recognizing the full dimensionality of disadvantage in Britain a realization that class and racial inequities are not separate but inextricably linked forces shaping people's lives. Only by tackling both can we truly address the complex fabric of Britain's social hierarchy. Final summary. Racism, far from being an artifact of history, remains a present and pervasive force within the United Kingdom, a lingering shadow of its colonial legacy. This systemic issue affects the daily realities of black individuals and ethnic minorities, influencing their prospects, safety, and societal standing. It's clear that these deep-rooted inequalities demand profound systemic changes to ensure a landscape where equal opportunities are not the exception, but the norm. Moving forward requires a collective effort, starting with an acknowledgement of white privilege, it's not enough for white people to avoid overtly racist actions. 
they must actively engage with their role within the societal structure and work towards dismantling the privileges they've unknowingly enjoyed. Furthermore, the feminist movement must evolve to integrate intersectionality, advocating for all disempowered groups rather than focusing solely on the struggles of white women. Race and class prejudices, often leveraged by those in power to maintain divisions, need to be addressed in tandem if true progress is to be made. This journey towards a just society where color is no longer a determinant of one's fate is admittedly fraught with challenges. Nonetheless, with introspection, solidarity, and sustained action, Britain can work towards healing the wounds of its historical actions and create a future that celebrates diversity and embraces equity for all. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.